October 31st will be a happy day for Hema Cabrera, but a sad one for North Georgetown Elementary School and the Indian River School District. On that date, Hema will officially retire from her position as a bilingual community liaison at North Georgetown Elementary. Hema has had a decorated career in education, spending the last 21 years in the Indian River School District. She was twice named Teacher of the Year for her school and in 2020 was named a Special Education Ambassador for North Georgetown Elementary. She is one of the most respected educators in our district and her impact on our large Hispanic Latino community has been immeasurable. I'm Dave Mall, and over the years I've worked with Hema on a variety of projects involving outreach efforts to our non-English speaking families. She has always been a willing participant, even when it meant attending after-school and evening events or doing radio interviews in the early morning hours. Hema's steadfast commitment to Sussex County's Hispanic community is extraordinary, and she will be leaving big shoes to fill at North Georgetown. That's why we wanted to give her a proper send-off on the IRSD Spotlight. Hema recently joined me via Zoom to talk about her career in education and her efforts to create a better life for our Hispanic Latino families. We'll also hear from a few people who worked closely with Hema during her career in IRSD. I'll play my interview with Hema right after the break. Thank you for joining us today, and uh, welcome to the podcast. It's nice to have you. It is my pleasure. When we spoke recently, you mentioned that uh, retirement's going to be kind of a bittersweet thing for you. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, absolutely. After you've given you know so many years to the district, I think that you have built relationships with the, your colleagues, with the administration, relationships with students, and it is, it's hard. It's really hard. Uh, you know, your, you know, body might say, hey, it's time to go. But your mind and your emotional part and, you know, you really are part of what the school has meant to you. You have grown as an individual. You have realized that um, there are so many needs. And I think that The biggest thing that I have encountered in this job is to maintain myself as a humble person. If you see our population in North Georgetown, you know that it is mainly Hispanic and um, you you feel for these people. I've lived in the Caribbean. I know I have been among many poor people, but it is always um, a humbling experience to see that how they survive, how they move along, how their language barriers are there, and uh, how still they are so grateful every day for what us teachers, administrators do for them and uh, providing really basically a better future for them. You spent 14 years as a first grade teacher in our district, but currently you are North Georgetown Elementary School's bilingual community liaison. 
Can you talk a little bit about what your duties are in, the, in that position? Foremost, when I finished up my 14 years, I said to the administration, I think I'm ready to move on. And they said, um, no, we really have been looking at this position of a bilingual community liaison, which basically um, I'm an interpreter. Most of my time is spent in meetings with special ed department. I am the official interpreter. I started among four schools, which was North Georgetown, Georgetown Elementary, uh, Howard T. Ennis at times, and also the middle school, Georgetown Middle School. And um, I would schedule the meetings. I would call parents, schedule the meetings for the special ed, and then interpret at those meetings. That's my main role. After that, as you know, we all know, many teachers needed to have a phone call to parents and um, the administrator, uh, if there was nobody in the office that could help uh, speaking Spanish, then that would be also um, a requirement. Translating documents, I have done that too. And anything else that comes up, you know, calls for the nurse, calls for the cafeteria ladies, um, anything that has to do with the Spanish. So um, it, it, as I said, it's, you know, the community that um, my service is, you know, if I need to do a home visit or something, I will also do that. But it's basically maintaining that relationship between the parents and our schools. And the need for Spanish in our school is definitely with 70% of Hispanics um, enrolled in our school, that is a high number. So um, it has certainly been very useful. You touched on this earlier. Uh, you work in a school, North Georgetown Elementary, where I think currently about 78% of the students in that school are uh, uh, Hispanic Latino. Can you talk a little bit about just some of the challenges faced by these families in our community? Because there, they, there are some barriers there. Can you talk a little bit about some of the challenges that these families face? Logically, um, one of the main challenges is the language. Um, as we know, uh, many of these Hispanic families that are coming, they are have not a background even in their own Spanish language. So their education level is pretty low. And so what happens is that, you know, the English becomes a big barrier. I think eventually, uh, let's say in another generation, will not be there because we see that many of the students that are here are going through the high school, are going through colleges, and are dominating the English language. But for the parents that are here now, that is a biggest, the biggest drawback. Other main issues are transportation. Uh, parents have a lack of transportation, housing. There is definitely, uh, the pandemic has shown tremendous problems with that. And before, uh, you have two and three families living in one house together, and they just have a room. That's all that they have, you know, and that trickles down to other problems like not having documentation, you know, where they're living at. As you know, in registration, we need a bill of their phone or of their electric, and many of them uh, might not be able to produce that. Um, so there are a lot of logistical problems that are happening. Again, we have built trust, and that is so important in our schools that they know that when they come uh, to enroll a child or to ask for you know, help or concerns that they have, they know that we will be here 
not judging them on what they can give us, but on helping them. And um, I think that if I can say one of my main accomplishments has been to build that trust. They know that when they come here, they are going to be treated very well. They're going to be given all the opportunities that we give every other parent. And regardless of if they can communicate, regardless of what paperwork they can present. And I know you've worked uh, very, very hard in your 21 years here to assist our families with those with those issues. Let's go back to the beginning, Hema. Uh, you were born in the Dominican Republic, but your life's journey has taken you pretty far and wide. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, I guess so. I guess, um, <laughs> you know, and I guess a lot of people, you know, say, well, were you part of the military? My parents were. And that was not the case. Um my parents came to the, to the Dutch colonies um, after the World War II uh, from Holland. So, and then from there, they moved to the Dominican Republic, where I was born, as you had said. And um, from there, we, um, we lived there. We had a revolution uh, with the government. And so we were evacuated by the Americans, American Marines, and went to Puerto Rico, which is an American territory. And from there, we moved again, you know, to different other places like in Europe. My parents went back to Holland. Um, They really did not assimilate. So again, I feel that I understand this culture when you say you don't assimilate very much because, you know, they didn't, we didn't. We were more, as you can say, Hispanics, Latin American, you know, we, I guess, enjoyed that. And uh, came back to Puerto Rico and there um, we remain until you know, my parents have passed away at this point, and uh, but they came to the states to finish their retirement. So again, it's just um, one of those things that you do move where your parents take you, and you make the best. I always say that at that point, I did not really um, enjoy moving so much because I had to leave friends behind and had to learn another language or be part of uh, another culture. But at this point in my life, it has really been an opener. I, I, I think I'm a little bit more social. I think I am the one who says, hey, hello, you know, here I am. I'm the newcomer. And so, so you, it's interesting how it all comes around. You know, you do feel for these newcomers, the, the new kids that come in that in a whole different language, in a whole different culture, you feel that these children, you know, the anxiety they're going through. And, and so I, I relate to that. I, I am so fortunate to be able to do that. Uh, I guess that explains why you not only speak Spanish, but you speak Dutch as well, correct? That is correct. Yes. Yeah. You had mentioned, uh, it, obviously, you, you lived in Puerto Rico, but you got your undergraduate degree here in the States from Duquesne University. Am I correct on that? That is correct. I um, went to an all-girls uh, Catholic high school, and Duquesne is a, a Catholic school. And it was very much promoted. Uh, my parents definitely education was number one for them, and so I, you know, was accepted and uh, did my degree, um, my bachelor's degree in education, uh, with a minor in special ed. So, um, and it was a wonderful experience. I remember coming from Puerto Rico. The weather was a whole different ballgame. <laughs> you know, I had seen snow in Holland, but um, again, it was just like, you know, another reminder of cold weather, especially 
on the bluff in Pittsburgh. It's uh, pretty cold up there. So, but it was a wonderful experience those four years. Um, I would return to Puerto Rico to be with my parents for the breaks. So um, it was, um, it was definitely a very enjoyable time. And you did return to Puerto Rico after you got your degree to be a teacher in, uh, in, in Puerto Rico for a few years, correct? That is correct. Um, it was mainly because my husband was admitted to the um, medical school at, in Puerto Rico. And uh, so we went back and, uh, yeah, did our four years of medical degree there. Well, I, I have to ask you, and I, I can't help it, Emma, I have to ask you, you have been a teacher of the year in our district twice, uh, once for Georgetown Elementary School in 2005, and then again at North Georgetown, I think it was 2008 or 2009. But what a lot of people probably don't realize about you is that you were teacher of the year in San Juan, Puerto Rico in 1982, correct? Yes, Dave, you <laughs> had to mention that. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, I think it's it's part of who I am. I'm what I'm sometimes an overachiever, as many teachers can tell you. But yes, thank you. Thank you for, <laughs> for reminding me. You know, I couldn't <laughs> let that one go. No, I guess not. I guess not. You returned to the United States actually in the early 1980s and actually left education for a little while. Um, can you talk a little bit about that also? Because that's an interesting story. Um, when, yeah, when we came after medical school, my husband, when he came uh, to the United States, uh, did residency uh, at uh, Geisinger Medical Center in Danville, Pennsylvania. And so uh, from there, we had to make a decision whether to go back to Puerto Rico or stay. He decided he wanted to stay. I was, uh, I came along with that. That was going to be a good opportunity for us. And so um, he got a job in Seaford, Delaware. And um, we liked it because we were on the East Coast. We had the ocean, which we had, you know, not the same as in Puerto Rico, but it's, uh, you know, we had the same, um, it, it, you know, ocean wide and, and beaches and things like that. We also wanted a little town. We didn't want to live in a big city. We had lived in big cities, um, both of us ourselves. And so we decided to do that. And um, it was, you could go to Philadelphia airport and in three hours be in Puerto Rico. So we were, you know, kind of looking that way. So we came here and at that point um, I had the, you know, young children. And I said to my husband, I really don't want to start working in a school district full time. So um, with him starting his practice, um, I decided to become his office manager. I have to tell you, um, it was very wonderful to see and work with him alongside for those 10 years. Uh, we built a wonderful practice. But many a times it was like a rarely deterrent because he was a good doctor and I had to collect the bills. So I was not the very good person because <laughs> they had to uh, stop by me and I would say, well, okay, you have a copay. I want to see it. And sometimes <laughs> it, they did not like me, you know, <laughs> and uh, insurance companies was hard to deal with too sometimes. And so, but I, you know, one thing that I really learned was to deal with the public. I think that was very important. Now I deal with the public too. I deal with parents and um, they, you have to have certain ways around you. You know, you have to be patient. You have to be understanding. You can't be confrontational, really. That doesn't lead anything. And as you know, and you're also in the public business, you know, it's sometimes very hard to deal with publics, you know. So that was a very good learning opportunity. And um, I was there part-time, not full-time. So that allowed me to be with the children. And I would never 
regret that time of my life. I really would not. Well, tell us the story of how you ended up working in the Indian River School District, because I understand it involved a, uh, a very persistent school principal named T.A. Fleetwood. That is correct. What wonderful memories his name brings. Um, I was doing some uh, access testing um, for the Bridgeville School District. A friend of mine asked me, uh, she was a teacher there, and she says, you know, we could use somebody that speaks Spanish fluently uh, to help out with that. From there, um, somebody told the um, Georgetown Elementary, uh, another person that was working there, uh, told them, you know, we know this uh, lady, um, you know, she speaks fluent Spanish. And at that point, when I started in 2000, the influx of Hispanic students was starting to grow. So at that point, uh, they had 32 kids in first grade which is an overwhelming amount. And Joan Glasgow, who was the EL teacher uh, there at that time, you know, and the administration saw that she couldn't really take that overflow. So they mentioned my name to T.A. Fleetwood and he called me and he says to me, we would like for you to come in. We understand you have an education background and you're fluent in Spanish and we would like for you to give us some help. And he says, just come in, let's observe. And so I did from the very onset tell him, I don't want a full-time job. I really, I don't want to do that. I am fine. I have kids. I don't, you know, don't want to go there. So he says, no, that's fine. That's fine. Just come in and see it. So I came in, I observed. Um, he was just so kind. I, you know, he talked to me for a long time and when I left, he says, well, what do you think? And I said, um, I'm sorry, Mr. Fleetwood, but I don't want a full-time job. And this is a full-time job. He says, okay, we'll, we'll work with that. We'll work with that. So he called me every day after that Monday. He called me on Tuesday. How do you do? How are you? Have you made a decision? Wednesday, Thursday. And I said to my husband Thursday night, what am I going to tell him? I, I just don't feel like I can tell this man. No, he says, no, 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 we can work with you. And I said, but it is a full-time job. And he kept saying, no, not really. And I said, but not really in what ways? And he could not answer me. So he says, no, no, we really need you. The kids need you. The kids need you. It's not me. It's the kids. So I talked to my husband and we decided, well, okay, let's give this a try. So Friday, when he called, I said, Mr. Fleetwood, I have good news for you. I will give this a try, but only for the rest of the year. So this was October 16 when I started. And he says, perfect. I'll give you a whole week to set up your classroom. I'll, you know, I'll give you all the materials you need and everything else. So here I am 21 years later. I was just floored, I guess, you know. But I have to tell you, he was so kind. He, he was just a tremendous, tremendous principal. Not that I've had others that have been wonderful, very supportive. Um, you know, I sometimes have been called high maintenance Cabrera. But again, I, you know, have really have wonderful principals and vice principals, I, I have to say. And that's, again, coming back to the bittersweet. My years at Indian River have been very satisfying. Let's pause here for just a minute to hear from those who know Hema well, having worked with her in a variety of capacities over the years. First, let's let current North Georgetown Elementary School Principal Samantha Lowheed share her thoughts on Hema. 
we always kind of joke that Mrs. Cabrera, you know, when she walks in a room, you kind of stand up a little straighter. You know, she has that, that effect on you, but in a positive way, myself, I, you know, this is my 15th year in education and, and I have been able to work with her for seven of those years, but prior to working with her, I knew of her. And, and there aren't many people like that left in our district. You have a level of respect for her because she has the experience. She has the knowledge. Um, she's put in the time and she can speak to that experience. And so people go to her immediately because she has this understanding of our families. And, you know, she is willing to do whatever she can to help you and, and most importantly, our students. But you know, she's just, she's just that person. It's almost hard to put into words, but you know, she definitely makes an impact wherever she goes. And just what has Hema meant to North Georgetown Elementary? Being a teacher in this building is unlike any other school. And so she has kind of worked from the ground up to get to know our families, get to know our community. She has literally worked side by side with these students. And, you know, now being in the role that she's in, there is a level of trust with her. And I think that that is not something that happens overnight. She has shown our community that she is someone that they can trust. And that has come from her years of working in in this building and within our community. And, you know, she is a big advocate on, you know, early learning for our students. And and she has been involved in um, child fine and she will go out into the community and pass out flyers. And she's gotten to know, you know, the business owners and those key people within our community that that help with that outreach to get students within within the building. She calls families and sets up appointments with them. She does the screeners online with them. She is is good at asking questions to families to to get them to kind of open up and and feel comfortable to to get the help that they need and get the their children the help that they need. Next is former North Georgetown principal and Board of Education member Jim Hudson, who holds Hema in high regard after working with her every day for several years. Well, I, I think um, Hema brought to our school staff a love for the kids of the community and showed whenever you walked in her classroom or whenever you saw her in the hallway, everything she was doing was always focused on kids. And having her there, she had made such good contacts in the community that they would come to the school and that would be the first person they'd ask for would be Mrs. Cabrera. But uh, she really helped us a lot make the, make the connections with the community and, more importantly, helped us educate the kids. And that was, you know, that was invaluable. But when I retired, about 50% of the students were ELL, Hispanic students. I know that number's grown more since I've been out, since I've been gone. But Hema knew how important those kids were to our school and how much we needed to provide them support. And having her on that staff, I think, enabled a lot of the other staff members to realize just how important our job was in trying to educate the kids of our community. Mm-hmm. She was invaluable. Mr. Hudson also credits Mrs. Cabrera for helping turn a struggling school into one that eventually earned numerous national honors for excellence. 
like I say, we, we could not have made the progress that we made without Emma Cabrera and her, you know, her fellow cohorts, Mary Norton and Meg, Meg Lawson. I mean, those three together. And, and Emma was a leader. Absolutely. They made such a huge difference. District Superintendent Jay Owens worked with Hema when he was both a teacher and an assistant principal at North Georgetown. So what has she meant to the Indian River School District? I think the first thing that comes to mind is just her link to the community, especially the Georgetown community, but it's, it, it actually goes beyond that as well, um, our entire district. The easy answer is, is she, she assists us through language challenges, but it's, it's so much more than that. It's connecting with the families and understanding the needs of the community and how we as a, a school district and, and system in general can support our community uh, beyond the classroom. You worked with Hema as a, a fellow teacher at North Georgetown and then again when you were the school's assistant principal. And what was that experience like and what was just your impression of her when you were working with her? So from a teacher perspective, she was kind of like the the, the veteran there that you looked up to, that you could go to for advice. And as an assistant principal, it was, it was somewhat intimidating trying to lead with someone that you knew had such knowledge of, of how a school should run, particularly in North Georgetown. Um, but, you know, what I do remember is that she was always extremely honest. She was going to tell you exactly how she felt about something, and um, you, didn't, you didn't feel as though she was going to hold back, so you knew you were going to come away with uh, a, a really good perspective of, of hers. And when, when she spoke at a faculty meeting or, or at a community event, uh, you, knew, you knew others were listening. You could see that in the crowd and, and in the room that uh, people were listening to, to what she had to say because they knew uh, it was important. Her, her love for the community and dedication to the district went beyond a school day. You knew that she was attending community events. She was on the radio trying to get a message out. She knew the local church leaders and was aware of community events where if we need to, to get information out, she was able to do that. And she continues to do that to this day. And Dr. Owens also has a special personal connection to the Cabrera family. Mrs. Cabrera's husband actually delivered all three of my children. So uh, when I met my wife and, and you know, learned that uh, Dr. Cabrera was her doctor, and uh, then, you know, he uh, ultimately delivered my three children. That was pretty neat. So our conversations uh, in the hallways of our schools when I interact with Mrs. Cabrera often uh, go to our, our, our personal lives as well. So that's a really, really awesome connection that I have with her and um, really cherish that. Now that we've thoroughly embarrassed Emma with such effusive praise, let's hear the remainder of my interview with her. Well, you were... Uh... You worked from at uh, Georgetown Elementary School for from 2000 to 2005, and then you moved over to North Georgetown in 2005, and you've been there ever since as both a teacher and a community liaison. And you mentioned this yourself. Well, I'm just going to give it a year, and 21 years later, you're still here. So, how did that happen? Well, you again, I go back to the humbling experience. Um, when I saw the students that I had to teach, um, I was very fortunate at the beginning, I just had 15 kids. That was all that I had that first year. You became involved, you saw the needs, you talked to parents, 
you saw how important it was to be able to communicate with them, to be able to reassure them that, you know, you were going to try to get their children from A to Z and, you know, be, um, have them be responsible for their side and you come and meet them halfway. And I think that um, in my heart, I knew that this was my fulfillment. You know, this was my vocation. This was what I had studied for. And to be honest with you, those first weeks were a blur. But at the same time, you know, I I fell right in. This was what I had studied for and what really made me happy. Yes, I had days that I was very excited and I had days that I was very tired. And as we all humanly have it, but it brought back what I really in my heart had you know, as a vocation, it, it is, as you said, it's a calling. And, you know, I see it in people that really love their profession, and it's become bittersweet to say goodbye. And how, how rewarding has this has these last 21 years been for you? Incredibly rewarding. Uh, you, you know, you look at things as in a perspective of you've got to educate these children, and you're giving an opportunity to these children that they might not have in their country. And that is the goal why so many parents come here. I know my emotional side goes to them and feeling what they're going through in the anxiety and you know the overwhelmness of a new culture. But at the same time, you know, you say you're giving them something. It 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 is this is why they come just for the education. The other day I was in, you know, uh, a place where I met a student that had gone through North Georgetown. He's an assistant physical therapist at this point. You know, that is in itself an accomplishment that, you know, they could never have in their country. And I think that you have to understand that if you can put a little grain of sand into something that will empower our culture, that will bring you know, diversity to the United States, then why not? And that is really what is at the forefront of all teachers, you know, to make sure that their kids and their students have a tremendous, that you have a tremendous impact on their future and that they, not everybody is meant to be a college educated, you know, but there are many other positions in, in our culture that have a very meaningful, you know, profession. Your list of community service activities is extremely impressive also. Uh, You've been a document translator at Nanticoke Memorial Hospital. You've been a Sunday school teacher at uh, Our Lady of Lourdes Catholic Church. You've been an ESL teacher for the Sussex Tech Adult Education Program. You've been an adjunct professor of Spanish at the Dell Tech Owens campus, and that's just to name a few things. Do you believe and, and feel that it's your duty to give back to your community? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we don't come to, you know, live a life where we're only doing things for ourselves. You know, you you have to understand that life is not all about you, but that the little bit you do for other people is extremely important. You might not get remunerated all the time. You might not get, you know, uh, given all the accolades that you think you deserve, but you don't do it for that. You do it. And I know that teachers Every day uh, from pre-kindergarten to high school, every day and on to college, give of themselves and uh, without wanting anything in return. I think the biggest satisfaction is, as I said, I mentioned the student that I had 
that has become, you know, something in life and that, you know, through his profession will also impact other people. It is, again, not about you and what you have and what you don't have. It's about giving it away. And giving it away is um, so much more of a happier feeling. It really is. Well, I can testify to that personally, because uh, with all the, you know, the several referendums that we've had over the years, I've relied on you several times during those to help us with outreach efforts to the Hispanic community and, and, and those type of activities. And I believe the last referendum, we had you going on the radio at about six o'clock in the morning. Is that, is that about how early it was? <laughs> that was correct. That was correct. Apparently, that's between six and seven is the highest volume of listeners. So that's, yeah, that was asked at that time. Yes. Well, I just want to tell you that I always appreciated you, the help that you gave me and gave us here at the district office with those types of activities. And you never, uh, as I said, you never hesitated to help us when we need it. So we always greatly appreciated that. Even though you're retiring soon, I understand that you're not disappearing completely, correct? That is correct. Um, I have talked to Celeste that um, I wanted to slow down. I certainly um, I would, I'm looking forward to that. Um, there's many other things that at this time of my life I would like to do. And so I offered to work two times, a, two days a week and um, two days consistently. So um, those will be Tuesday and Wednesday. I will come in into North Shortstown. That's the only building I will come in and um as a, as a substitute, in a sense, as you, you know, that would be what would, would be called. And um, I would just do translations, interpreting uh, for uh, the IEPs, um, those meetings uh, for parents. And um, we'll see how that goes. I, I think that it will be okay. It will be a slowdown. I think, I don't know, it, it might be hard to say, uh, you know, goodbye completely. I have enjoyed, as I said many a times in this interview, um, that I've been very, it's been a very enjoyable ride. And um, so, yeah, we will try it out and see how it works. Well, Hema, I, I know that you're not one that likes to toot their own horn. So I really, really do appreciate you joining me today to talk about your career and your, and basically your life's journey. And I just want to thank you for all the services that you've given to this school district in the last 21 years. Uh, it, it, you've been an invaluable member of the district staff and thank you and good luck in the future. And I take it very humbly. It has been my pleasure. Thank you for this interview. Before we wrap up this episode, let's hear some final thoughts and personal messages from him as friends and colleagues. Well, we always kind of joked with her, you know, when I first came on, we told her that she had to sign a five-year contract and she wasn't allowed to retire. And we keep trying to extend that. And then finally she made the decision. And so you don't replace her. And, you know, she'll tell you someone else can do my job. This building is going to be okay. And, and although that is true, you'll, you'll never replace her because there is no, no one else that is her. She is just one of a kind. And, and I think those of us who know her, understand that. But I just, I really hope that she's able to kind of take time for her family. You know, she is a grandmother and the joy you see when she talks about her grandchildren and her family. I just, I wish for her that she can spend all of her time with them and, and really just get to enjoy this, this next chapter in her life. I, I just know that I enjoyed working with her tremendously. Uh, she, I learned a lot from her. She 
she helped guide me in, in certain areas with ELL, uh, with the Hispanic community. She got me involved. I, I remember she uh, came over from Georgetown Elementary and um, I was excited to have her. I, you know, I learned that uh, running a school like the one we had at North Georgetown needed people like Emma Cabrera or we would not have made the strides we made, had the success we made. You know, National Blue Ribbon School, Title I, nationally recognized school, it all falls back on those people standing in front of those kids. And she, she's a standout. She did everything she could to make those kids as successful as possible. I, I want to say to her, great job, well done, and we're certainly going to miss you. It's hard to really put into words, you know, it's uh, just you know, thanking her for her years of, of dedication to Indian River School District. And um, she's really uh, tremendously helped to grow our, our relationship with uh, specifically our Hispanic Latino community and develop that, that trust with, uh, with that area of our community and our schools. And just, you know, it's going to be difficult to, to fill those huge shoes. And she certainly has, has left a, a, unbelievably huge footprint on on our district so thank you Hema so much for all you've done for for us here at Indian River School District. I want to thank Samantha Loheed, Jim Hudson, and Jay Owens for taking the time to share their thoughts on Hema Cabrera and what she has meant to the Indian River School District. And of course I want to thank Hema for sharing her story with our listeners. She has never been one to brag about her accomplishments, always preferring to remain humble. So I'm especially appreciative of her agreeing to be interviewed for this episode. On a personal note, Hema has helped me more times than I can remember on projects involving outreach efforts to our Hispanic community. And for that, I am extremely grateful. I also want to commend her for being such a staunch advocate for our students and their families during the past 21 years. Good luck in retirement, Hema. We're going to miss you. IRSD Spotlight is produced by the Indian River School District. Episodes can be accessed through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and several other podcast platforms and mobile apps. Episodes and bonus content can also be accessed by visiting irsd.net and going to the podcast link under the Discover IRSD tab. To search for episodes on Facebook, use the hashtags IRSD Podcast and IRSD Spotlight. Thank you for listening. We'll be back soon with more great news and information from the Indian River School District.